do you have plans for dinner today? Do you have Easter dinner plans? Now, it's a little dangerous to start out a sermon talking about food because immediately everybody's attention goes to what they're going to eat instead of what's happening here. But I do want you for just a moment, think about your dinner plans. Where are you going? Who are you going with? Imagine, if you will, what you will be eating. What does that table look like that you're looking forward to? But perhaps you're here and you don't have plans for Easter dinner today. If that's your situation, do you wish you did? And if so, who today would you most like to share a meal with? The reason I ask you to think about that is this morning I want to tell you a story about a man who had no plans for dinner on Easter, but received the most incredible, unexpected invitation to dinner on Easter. Now, in order to tell you the story, I have to give you a little background. And for this background, we have to go all the way back to a thousand years before the time of Jesus, back to a time in Israel's history when God had raised up a man named Saul and asked him to be the king over his people. And Saul started out well. He was chosen by God, but somewhere along the way, his pride reared itself and disobedience came into his life and he was not the king that God wanted him to be. And this grieved God's heart. And God decided that Saul would not be king forever. That instead he would raise up another person and a a little boy named David and that David would someday eventually be king. Well, in between the time in which David was raised up by God, in which he would eventually become king, Saul and David began to interact with each other. And Saul noticed that David's hand of ble- or God's hand of blessing was on David. And Saul, instead of rejoicing that God was present in his people, became jealous and angry. And he chose to make David his enemy. And he began to persecute him and to try to hunt him down and kill him. Now, Saul had a son named Jonathan, and against all odds, Jonathan and David became the best of friends, the closest of friends. Now, not at no small cost to Jonathan did he do this, because you see, as Saul's oldest, the throne was supposed to be his. He would be next in line after his father, but Jonathan recognized that God's hand was upon David. That David had been chosen to be the next king. And Jonathan humbly accepted God's will. And aligned himself not with his father Saul. But with David. And worked to protect David. Against his father's plans to kill him. Well finally the time came in which God decided that Saul's disobedience had run its course. And it was time to fulfill his promise to install David as the king of Israel. And using Saul's disobedience in going into battle, God allowed the hardness of Saul's heart to take him and the children of Israel into a situation in which Saul lost his life in battle. But not only did Saul die in that battle, Jonathan died too. Not because of any sin or disobedience of his own, 
but because in his loyalty to obey the king, his father, he went into battle and gave up his life because of Saul's disobedience. Well, as you can imagine, David is heartbroken, crushed that his dearest friend, the person that he had planned to rule and reign together with. He had said to Jonathan, when I am king, you will reign at my side as second in command. And together they were going to be the leaders of the nation of Israel. David is crushed. But Jonathan has died. But because it was the day in which Saul died, David was anointed to be king and he was selected to be king. But the problem was is that this ignited a civil war in Israel. Because there were still people loyal to the house of Saul and Saul had another son who himself claimed to be king and a large number of people in Israel aligned themselves with Saul's other son. And there was a civil war between the house of David and the house of Saul over who would be the rightful ruler in Israel. This war continued for a number of years. Gradually the house of David grew stronger and stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Until finally, that son of Saul was killed. And this is where our story slows down for just a moment to a specific scene that I want to tell you about. David is basically victorious. All of Israel is now his. The house of Saul has no real power. So David calls one of Saul's former servants to himself and he asks him this question. Are there any physical descendants of Saul left? that are still alive. The servant says to David, there's one. There's a boy that's left. Now, he had gone unnoticed in all of this because he was a cripple. He had been crippled from birth. And so it was not considered to be a, well, he couldn't be a warrior. He wasn't really engaged and so he had been forgotten about. But this boy was Saul's grandson. The last physical descendant of Saul left. His name was Mephibosheth. David says, bring him to me. When Mephibosheth hears the news, he knows exactly what's going to happen. I mean, he's related to the wrong king. He's on the losing side. And so he knows that he's being summoned to be executed. And so he comes before David and he comes because, of course, David is going to kill him. Finally, David will be done with the house of Saul and he will be the rightful ruler and no one will be able to challenge him. But there's something about Mephibosheth that David knows. Not only is he Saul's grandson, he's also Jonathan's son. And so when he comes before David... David gives him not what he deserves, which is death, but instead something completely unexpected. Let me quote you what David said to him on that day. David says to him, Mephibosheth, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness. Why? For the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Now Mephibosheth, who's come expecting death, instead receives an invitation for dinner with the king. And his response is, 
what is your servant? That you should notice a dead dog like me. He's a dead dog because he's deserving of death. More than that, as somebody in that era who was crippled, there wasn't anything of value he could offer to David. He was as good as a dead dog to David. And so he says, why would you notice a dead dog like me? Now, this is what I mean when I talk about an unexpected dinner invitation. Mephibosheth thinks he's going to die and instead he gets invited to dinner. And in my mind's eye, I sort of picture what that dinner must have looked like. Here is King David seated at the head of the table, dressed in his royal robes with all the splendor of the riches of Israel on the table in front of him. Food like you've not seen before in years. And around the table seated with David are his sons, beautiful and strong, handsome, dressed in the most perfect princely outfits. And in my mind's eye, I envision Mephibosheth, perhaps given his physical handicap, being helped into the room. And I picture him as incredibly self-conscious. He's come dressed not in royal robes, but in an outfit he thought he was going to be executed in. And he shuffles in, and I'm sure he probably wants the seat that's most inconspicuous. He wants to hide as he looks at all of the splendor all around him. And I, in my mind's eye picture, as he walks into that room, David stands up and says, no, no, Mephibosheth, not down there. You come sit here next to me. This is your father, Jonathan's seat. This is the seat that I have reserved for you. That's what I mean when I say, can you imagine being invited to a dinner? that you had no expectation of being invited to. You say, but wait a second. You said it was an Easter dinner. I did, didn't I? That's because this dinner that I'm telling you about is actually a precursor to another dinner that Mephibosheth was invited to, one that he even more, can you say it this way, didn't expect to be invited to. And this is one that did happen on that very first Easter 2,000 years ago. You see, 2,000 years ago on that Easter day, Mephibosheth had been dead for a long time. But listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He's speaking about a heavenly banquet in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, on that Easter morning, that very first Easter morning, Mephibosheth, who had been dead for a thousand years, suddenly found himself being raised from the dead with Jesus. And this time he's being invited to a feast, not with David alone, 
but by God the Father to come and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's the Easter dinner that he had no plans to attend whatsoever. But he was overwhelmed by this incredible invitation. But it's not an invitation that's for him alone. If you listen to Paul's words, he's talking about us. Not just Mephibosheth, not just those who were believers in God before Christ came, but all of us here today. And the reason I tell you Mephibosheth's story is that it's actually a beautiful picture of our invitation. You see, you and I, we're Mephibosheth. Remember how he described himself? A dead dog. Why was he dead? He was connected to the wrong king. And he was of no value to the current king. Listen to what Paul says about you and I earlier in that same chapter in Ephesians. As for us, we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live, which means we were useless to God. There was nothing of value we could offer to him. We were spiritually crippled, if you will. Worse than that, spiritually dead. Nothing of value we could offer to God. Why? We followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. We were connected to the wrong king. Not Saul, but Satan. We were part of his kingdom. And that when God decided to make all things new, we were on the wrong side of the equation. We were aligned with the wrong king. And like Mephibosheth, we were dead dogs. Deserving death because of our disobedience, because of our transgressions, and because of the fact that we had nothing of value we could offer to the king, not David, but God. But you remember what David says when Mephibosheth appears before him. I want to show you kindness. The same word that Paul says God shows to you and I who deserve death. Kindness from God. Why? Well, if we're Mephibosheth and Saul is Satan and David represents God, well then who is Jonathan? The most important character in the story. Jonathan is Jesus. Remember what Jonathan did? He gave up his claim to the throne and humbled himself, aligning himself with God's plan. Remember what Jonathan did? He died not because of his own disobedience, but because of the disobedience of Saul. Jesus is the one who we are told is completely equal with God. He has every right to the throne of heaven, but he did not hold on to that right. Instead, he humbled himself, 
aligned himself with God's plan and became one of us. Even dying for us. Not because of his own sins. But because of our sins. And as David says to Mephibosheth, I want to show you kindness because of your father, Jonathan. God says to you and I, you deserve death, but I want to show you kindness because of Jesus. Not because of what we did, not because of what we have to offer, not because of anything about us at all, except that we're connected to him. This is what Paul means when he says, for it is by grace that you are saved through faith in Jesus. That it has nothing to do with our own works. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift from God on the basis of what Jesus has done. See, this is what it means when I say I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I'm connected to Jesus. I'm with him. You see, if Mephibosheth stands before David and David says to him, are you Jonathan's son? And Mephibosheth replies, no, I'm Saul's grandson. Well, no dinner for him. (laughs) If David stands before Mephibosheth and says, are you Jonathan's son? And Mephibosheth says, I'm no one's son. I'm my own man. No No dinner for him either. But when Mephibosheth stands before David and David says, are you Jonathan's son? And he says, I'm proud to say that he's my father. David says to him, come and take his place at my table. I stand here today as a Christian, meaning I'm saying I am not Satan's grandson. I am not my own person. Jesus is my Lord. I accept him. And on the basis of that, God the Father says, this is your resurrection day. Easter is the day you are raised from the dead and seated with Christ in heaven, the place Jesus earned. This is what we mean when we say, I am a Christian. I'm with him. And when God says to him, you deserve this place at the table, Easter becomes the day I'm raised. It's the day I'm invited to a feast that I never deserved to attend. 